welcome to Adult Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where I'm reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 18 of The Amber Spyglass, The Suburbs of the Dead. First off, what a great band name would that be, Suburbs of the Dead. I feel like we mentioned this at the end of the last episode. I still stand that band name. Yeah, it's a great band name, for sure. Absolutely. Add that to the HDM Pod Festival lineup (laughs) of imaginary bands. (laughs) Secondly, it's fucking boiling in London. Oh my God, it's so hot. Today is only a fraction less hellish than it was yesterday or the day before. But it is, it's hot. I, so as of recording this, we're quite a little bit in advance. I think we're about five weeks ahead of ourselves, which is round of applause to us. This is the most organised I think we've ever been. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And on the coming Tuesday, it's going to be 39 degrees. And I'm genuinely worried. It's going to be like that episode. Have you seen the episode of Black Books? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, where Manny hits. Is it 39? Yeah, I I think it is. (laughs) And and he's like, just goes wild. Yes, yes, exactly that. The hottest day of the year. So I've seen, and I... I've always agreed with this and I've always said that like there's something about English weather that's just horrific. I've seen loads of TikToks recently where it's like people from America and people from like really hot countries being like 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 40 degrees in like, you know, a really hot country is much more bearable than our like 25. We're not built for it. We don't have air con. Our houses are literally built to keep the heat in. So instead of being a cool space to hang out in, it's an oven that accumulates heat throughout the week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) honestly like I hate it so much I know most people do but like it literally physically makes me ill so like I am (laughs) genuinely scared for next week yeah your bowels are cooking oh they are oh they are I'm just gonna like lay in one place for like two days because that's supposed to be like really hot on like Monday and Tuesday I'm just gonna like lay on my bed and not move just two Brits whinging about the weather of course we hate it when it's cold and we hate it when it's hot of course (laughs) very on brand yeah we're recording this episode and we've got like had to like shut all the windows in our flats so it's gonna get hot very quickly so if we get irritable then soz I mean I feel quite bad actually I'm quite jammy because fortunately the room I'm recording is it's at the back of the house and it never gets any sun through the window Nice. So, like, fortunately, it's not too hot. But... It's funny because, like, my room doesn't get sunlight either because there's, like, a big tree outside that shades it. But it's still just, like you said, it, like, accumulates heat and it gets really, like, stuffy. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's gross. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Do you want to know what's exciting? Mm-hmm. Picking up my house keys tomorrow Woo-hoo! for the new flat that I'm moving into. And it's very Yay. exciting. But that also, uh, the part of the reason we are recording five weeks earlier than usual right now is because Faye's got a really busy couple of weeks ahead of her and I've got a really busy couple of weeks ahead of me because of moving house. So yeah. this is us being very kind to our future selves. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I think a very good move. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. What to tell you all? What to tell you? Merch, 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 merch. Come and <laughs> yeah. buy our merch, 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 merch. Please, please buy our merch, 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 merch. <laughs> please, please. How could you not with that, with that <laughs> rendition? Yes, it is a new month and mm-hmm. therefore a new round of uh, t-shirt orders is running. So any orders placed in the month of August will be printed and shipped in the first week of September. So make a note in your calendars, get your orders in. Yay! There you go. Hey, 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 guess what I'm wearing right now? Oh my God, I see it. I see it. Yeah. Do you want to see how good it looks? I've, uh, I'm rocking summer cycling shorts. Cause nice. Comfy. And I've, like, little, I've tied it in a little knot and it looks Love really it. cute. She's rocking a black alethiometer t-shirt. It's looking great. New fave tea. It's great. I can confirm, just like the last round of t-shirts, the fabric is still very nice. It's nice. still quite lightweight. Because, you know, sometimes you can get a printed t-shirt and it's like quite a thick cotton and mm-hmm. you think oh i couldn't wear that in summer yeah i've been all right in this today it's been relatively cool no nice. i think the white ones are even better for being like quite like soft and cool as well so there excellent you go. excellent 
So yes, go and buy t-shirts and bookmarks and stickers and all the good stuff. And also in August, at some point in the near future, we're not sure yet because we haven't put up the poll on Patreon, but we will be doing a watch along of Paddington. Yes, yes, yes. Can't wait to watch a cute bear eat marmalade sandwiches. I'm going to eat marmalade sandwiches Ooh. while I watch the bear eat marmalade sandwiches. I don't sandwiches. like marmalade. I'm going to make you eat no, a marmalade no, sandwich. No. I'm going to film you trying a bite of my marmalade sandwich. <laughs> In fact, you can do that. I actually, <laughs> 1080p-HD. <laughs> Hell yeah. I don't think I've actually tried one before. I just don't like... I don't think I'll like it. So I'd, I'd mm. happily let you film me trying a marmalade sandwich. The key is to like lightly toast the bread so it's not just all squish. Oh, well, 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 well. I don't like jam and it's like pretty similar, right? Yeah, but it's more because it's like citrusy rather than berry. On bread? So. Something yeah. citrusy on bread? Like, this is my thing. Like, I don't like Nutella on bread. I'll only have, like, Nutella on biscuits. Like, I just don't think it goes with bread. Or just straight Nutella out of the jar. On biscuits. I mean, straight out of the jar, of course. On biscuits? What do you yeah. do? You just spread it on a little little nice I biscuit. mean, I don't really do it. I just eat it out of the jar. But if I was to put it on anything, I would probably put it on some form of biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet things on bread, I'm not into. Fair enough. Judge yeah. you. But fine. That is coming up. <laughs> in the next couple of weeks and if you want to join us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod yeah hey hey <laughs> yes what would your demon have been this week well i was thinking about this earlier and i was thinking about obviously how hot it's been and it made me again think of what jenny said when she asked me if i ever thought that my demon would be something that would be like in the sea and on land and then I thought about when we went to Monterey Bay and how amazing it was. And I thought specifically about when we went out on the boat and we saw those seals like jumping into the water from the rocks. And I was like, I'm going to have a seal demon because I want to do that so bad. I want to dive into the water. Yeah, it is tis the season for having some kind of beach-based demon. Yeah. What about you? So my initial thought was just a blobfish because I feel like a blobfish. <laughs> they look very melty. I feel yeah. very melty, but also they live very, very deep at the bottom of the sea. So mm -hmm. I couldn't physically have that demon. Yeah. And so instead, I am going to go for a collie. Ooh. My parents have been sending me loads of photos of their pup, of Jake, my mm -hmm. my small fur brother. Um <laughs> cooling off uh he's been going for like paddles in the stream wow. and he's like just really been enjoying like they've been like spraying him with the garden hose oh. and, like i just think i'd have a lot of fun <sighs> playing and cooling off i wish i would in some kind of stream with yeah. uh with my collie demon and they they've got a level of enthusiasm that i've been struggling for and i think they'd be quite useful over the next few weeks to have that pep in my step with like packing mm. to move and stuff I wish somebody would spray yeah. me with a fucking garden hose. We've got a garden hose. Do you want to come over? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. We'll just have a hose party. <laughs> just don't get the hair because it'll turn everything orange. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, God. Well, shall we, uh, shall we skedaddle into this chapter before we burn alive? We shall. We shall. Last chapter, we were back with Mary and the Malefa. Mary experimented with the Malefa's tools to make a device that helps her see dust. We learned more about the Malefa's relationship with dust or srash, and the Malefa gave Mary a very important task. In this chapter, Will and Lyra make a plan for how to get to the world of the dead. While stocking up on some food, they find a dead body and flee to another world through a different feeling window. They meet the ghost of the dead man, decide to follow him on his journey and find themselves in a ghost town. What a spooky chapter. Ghosties. <laughs> Do you know what's really funny? And I was going to say it when we got to that, but I'm just going to say it now. I was listening when they're all like walking with the ghosts later. I was listening just by chance to Walking with the Ghost by Tegan and Sarah. <laughs> Amazing. Just by chance Amazing. as well. I know. I was like, hell yeah. This is great. Perfect. Yeah. Classic vibes. I thought you were going to say, what's the song that's like, this is a ghost town. Ooh. Oh, the specials. Yeah. I fucking, I do not like that song. Fair. It annoys me. <laughs> it annoys me. Good for them. Great song. Everyone loves it. Not me. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just thinking because it's talking about ghost town. I was like, oh, that would have been very appropriate. But Tegan and Sarah are also appropriate because you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> 
yes always yes. appropriate <laughs> yeah, of course and i do have some sick tegan and sarah socks Mm-hmm. So. Yes, amazing. We love a freebie. We do. We do. <laughs> Faye, mm. what's the picture of? Oh shit, I almost forgot. Um, can you guess? Well, guess obviously. It's your fucking job. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll do my job. Uh, pff, uh, uh dragonfly? No, we've had that. Mm-hmm. A, <laughs> a man staring at his own corpse. <laughs> that would be great. I don't think you'll get it. It's a very weird one. I don't, I'm actually not 100 percent sure what it is myself. Is it just like a little a little town? I don't know. It's just like looks a bit like what you'd say dust would look like, but also I think it maybe is supposed to be the mist from the town. Oh, uh, it could be. But like it's very like dotty. Oh yeah, weird. Yeah, fun. Mm. Yeah, I guess maybe it is that like yeah the dust in the town in the distance. Who knows? Yeah. I think Phil didn't know what to do, so he's like jabbing at the paper <laughs> with a pen. <laughs> Let's do that. And see what sticks. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, tell me. Tell me about the quote. Faye, I've been on a deep dive. I know. You told me. And I can only apologise because I know you want this episode to be speedy because you're so, so very hot as a person, but also in temperature. Oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) you. Yeah, Rich messaged me being like, I've gone on a deep dive. I'm like, that's great. I can't wait to hear it. But also, I'm going to burn alive in my bedroom. So can we keep it snappy? (laughs) I tried to keep it snappy and... You can just let me know. You can you can tap out whenever you wish because I'll just, I'll get into it. I'll explain it. The quote is, Oh, that it were possible we might hold some two days conference with the dead. And that is by John Webster. Mm-hmm. This is from a play called The Duchess of Malfi. It is from Act 4, Scene 2. And a little info about the play itself. The Duchess of Malfi, originally published as the tragedy of the Duchess of Malfi, is a Jacobean revenge tragedy written by John Webster in 1612 to 1613. It was first performed at the Blackfriars Theatre and then it was played at the Globe, so very like historical Mm -hmm. and they've recently revived it at the Globe and Mm. that's where I got a lot of my info from when I was researching the plot, which is very dramatic. Oh, the drama. Um, Yes. Um, so it is based on the real life character, or the real life character, real life human woman, uh, Giovanna de Aragona, um, who was alive from 1478 to 1510-ish. Her date of death is unknown because Ooh. it is slightly mysterious. Ooh. So the play is basically a massive tragedy and it's very similarly to Hamlet, everybody dies. <laughs> the vibe of the play... I'm gonna kind. I've kind of broken down the acts. This is taken from the Royal Shakespeare Company's website. Mm-hmm. They've done a synopsis of the play as short as they can do it, and I've gone through their synopsis and made it even shorter. You should <laughs> write them and, and be like, "Actually, I've I've cut this down a little bit more for you." They wouldn't like it. I've nicknamed people like Brother One, Brother like Bro One, Bro Two, <laughs> and like <laughs> a contemporary reimagining, if you will, hubby. Yeah. <laughs> so the Duchess of Malfi is uh, she is a widow. And so she has inherited the duchy. She is a very powerful woman for that reason. Uh, she married into the that seat of power. And she has two brothers. One of them is just rich and the other one is a cardinal in the church. They're referred to as Ferdinand and... Uh, Ferdinand? Ferdinand and the cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> but together we shall call them Ferdinand. Nice. It's all about a powerful woman who is being undermined by her brothers who are power obsessed toxic masculinity tropes yeah um so she they don't want her to marry because that would decrease the amount of power they have over her Mm -hmm. and but she falls in love with her steward which is a position which is lower than her as a duchess a steward is much more of like a servant kind of role and her brothers tell her that she cannot marry him and she says okay that's fine i won't marry him you guys go to rome for a bit You'll be fine. And so they fuck off to Rome. Uh, but they do hire a spy to spy on her. And it's one of her servants called Basola. Um, and once they've gone, she just marries him. She just Fair. she just marries Antonio like she wanted to this entire time. Uh, nine months later, the servant suspects that the Duchess might be pregnant. And he hatches a plan to double check his theory to give her some apricots because he believes that they will induce labour. And he gives her some apricots and she falls ill and later, in secret, gives birth to a son. Okay. Her husband uh, writes a horoscope for the baby, but then loses it. And the spy finds the horoscope and that's how he finds out that she got had a baby. What? Well, he, how like, do you keep a baby secret? Honestly, it's ridiculous. And then so the spy tells the brothers they're really mad, but they don't know she's married. To, does Nothing much comes of that. 
She mm. like refuses to tell them who the baby daddy is. She refused like they don't know mm-hmm. she's married. Two years later, uh, they've had two more babies. Brother one, Ferdinand, returns home and he hides in his sister's bedroom to like spy on her and like catch her in the act of oh, being indecent. And like when Antonio leaves the room, he jumps out, gives her a dagger, and says, You should kill yourself because you're a slut. <laughs> and you've had babies out of wedlock, and I know you have. And then she's like, actually, I'm married. And he's like, oh, well, fuck me then. And he leaves, saying he will never see her again. <laughs> oh, fuck my drag. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, again, paraphrasing the Royal Shakespeare Company's I love website it. by, by I Rachel. Love it. <laughs> so the Duchess knows from that that, her, that they're all in danger because, like, they didn't want her to marry. She's got married. She's had two kids and now they know. God, why do they care so much? But she's still refusing to divulge the identity of her husband, which I think is great. She's yeah. like, fuck you. I'm not going to tell you who I married. So she persuades her husband to run away. The husband and, the, and her oldest child, her son, run away to another another city mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Things ensue. The spy who has been left to spy on her, the apricot guy, mm-hmm. uh, tricks her into telling him who the father of the children is and where he is and then passes on to the brothers. And the duchess and go- and her other two children go to meet him where they like, there's like a, ha we found you, we found you and your secret husband. And so they banish them. They take their wedding, wedding rings away and banish them. So they can't prove they're married and she gets imprisoned. Hmm. And so, again, the husband and the eldest kid flee once more and the Duchess and her two youngest kids are in prison. While she's in prison, where she's being imprisoned in an in an asylum where her brothers have deliberately surrounded her by all of the noisiest inmates so that she can't get a wink of sleep, her brother then comes to her and convinces her and tells her that her husband and her kid, who she thought had escaped and were safe, had died. Oh. And so she thinks that they're dead through some like real fuckery as well. He like gives her a severed hand, like oh. he like offers his hand to her to kiss, and she kisses his hand. And then she's like, "Why is this so cold?" And then he like switches the lights on and is like, "Ha ha! It's a dead person's hand." By the uh, way, it's your husband's. Oh my fucking god! So much fuckery, <laughs> um, <laughs> and basically and then they're like cool and also we're gonna have you executed and she's like right okay um the spy kind of feels bad for all of this because he's kind of got her into all of this Mm -hmm. shit and like pleads for her life but essentially doesn't happen there's a really weird scene where just before she gets executed they like bring in a bunch of the very hard quotes madmen from the asylum Mm -hmm. to like do a show for her to try and get her to laugh before she's executed the fuck is this and they sing a little song very strange that whole thing happens she gets executed and then the brother who was there like supervising this whole having her essentially tortured and executed situation and her kids were also also executed by strangling oh my god what the fuck is this play and then the brother ferdinand who is the one that orchestrated this whole situation kind of turns to the uh spy when they're done and is like oh i feel really bad about that she was my twin you know we find out at that point in the play that they were twins and therefore Jesus. he feels bad about having just had her, had her executed. Um, at which point, so the, the play finishes with however many months later, the first brother joins the second brother in Milan, but he has now lost his mind because of all the, the murdering and the execution and he believes he is a wolf. <laughs> of course. Uh, the second brother, the one who's the cardinal, uh, offers a... Reward to the spy to murder Antonio, who is still in the picture. Mm-hmm. Like Antonio and the first and the oldest kid is still alive at this point. The spy, who still feels guilty about the Duchess's death, says, like, yeah, sure, I'll murder them. He actually thinks, I'll take the money, but I'm gonna murder you and plans to kill the brothers. Nice. Uh, the bad brothers. And so the spy hides in the second brother's room. But when he jumps out to attack the second brother, uh-oh, it was Antonio all along and accidentally killed the Duchess's <laughs> husband. <laughs> That's when the second brother comes into the room and he's like, oh, fuck, I meant to kill you. And they start having a fight. And then that's when the first brother, the one that was mad, comes into the room, sees them fighting and the fact that one of the bro- and the, the cardinal brother's been stabbed, mm-hmm. comes to his senses, joins in the fight, Everybody stabs each other, basically. And the only person left alive is the oldest child of the Duchess, who, at the very last minute, a random 
best mate of the of the husband of Antonio walks into the room and goes, "Oh no, I'm too late. Everyone's dead. I will take this child and raise them in the image of his parents." Well, wow. ta-da! Oh my god, what is it with like old, like super old plays like that just being the fucking weirdest things ever, and the most morbid things ever? Weirdest things ever. Yeah. So this, the quote that we've pulled is from Act Four, Scene Two. In Scene One. Act 4, scene one is where she learns that her husband and her children have been killed or is told that they've been killed, but they haven't. And so she's kind of like lost all hope. She's imprisoned. She's just trying to like remain composed. Mm -hmm. And she's having, in Act 4, scene two, she's having a chat with her maid. Because she's rich, she is imprisoned with her lady-in-waiting, of course. (laughs) Oh, poor lady-in-waiting. Right, right. Um, And so... They're just having a chat about how the na- all the neighbouring cells have been deliberately filled with very noisy people, so she can't sleep. And she's like, "Oh, it's fine. I don't care. I'd rather listen. I'd rather listen to them than be alone with my own thoughts." Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both kind of chatting about their own mortality, and they think they're going to die. And the maid says to her, "Like, do you think we'll meet again in the next life?" And that is where this quote begins. The Duchess says, Oh, that it were possible we might but hold some two days conference with the dead. From them I should learn somewhat I am sure I shall never know here. I'll tell thee a miracle. I am not mad yet. To cause my sorrow, the heaven over my head seems to be made of molten brass, the earth of flaming sulphur yet. I am not mad. I am acquainted with sad misery. As the tanned galley slave with his oar, necessity makes me suffer constantly and custom makes it easy. Who do I look like now? And then she's like asking if she looks, if she still looks good, ready for her execution. And like this like speech about death. Anyway, how's my face? Yeah. <laughs> literally, the maid's just like, oh, you look great. It's fine. Um, that's when they have the weird thing where they bring in all the mm-hmm. hard quotes, madmen to do the little song and dance for her. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, cool. Then she has a chat with the spy who she doesn't recognise and is pretending to be the coffin builder who's come to measure her before her execution. Oh, fucking hell. And then they're like, cool, we're going to execute you. But her last line before she gets executed is top notch. She says, pull and pull strongly for uh, for your able strength must pull down heaven upon me. Yet stay, heaven's gates are not so highly arched and princes palaces they enter there must go upon their knees and then she kneels and she says come violent death serve for mandragora to make me sleep go tell my brothers where i am laid out then they may feed in quiet so she's literally just like kill me brutally they're like serve mandragoras to make me sleep she's like give me violent death in place of a like death by drugs to make me sleep Mm -hmm. she's Mm -hmm. just like kill me brutally and then tell my brothers about it fuck you peace out Honestly. Oh, God, what a badass. And it's based on a real woman. So this is the thing. Giovanna de Aragona, 1478 to 1510, question mark. Mm-hmm. She married a duke, mm-hmm. had a kid with him. He died. She then fell in love with her steward, mm-hmm. married him in secret and had two more kids. Her brothers mm-hmm. found out and were angry. There was this whole thing of him, her husband and the eldest child fleeing. She was imprisoned. She was taken back and imprisoned and never seen again. Oh, that is why there's a question mark over her death because she's just she's just disappeared by yeah. her very powerful brothers, one of whom was like a cardinal and very closely linked to the Vatican. God, because My fuck God. the Catholic Church. It's mm. a full circle. We're back in Philip Pullman land. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, what a story. It's- interesting that this is where he's pulled the quote from because it's a beautiful quote and i was like oh is it Mm. from like a really melancholy moment of like her thinking about her husband thinking he's dead and like that may well be a big part of it but it's just interesting that like the madness of the story that surrounds it for a quote that feels very um like bittersweet and melancholy yeah oh that it were possible we might hold some two days conference with the dead it's very Anyone that's ever lost somebody probably feels, oh, yeah. I wish I could just have one more conversation or yeah. like one more opportunity. And so it feels it's like a really beautiful quote, but it's pulled from this like absolutely bananas story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like people in a, when was it, when was it published again? People in 1613 really knew how to party. <laughs> God, apparently so. Fucking hell. It's, um, yeah, all, all like, oh, well, I'm not going to like, that's too much of a general as I, generalization but like a lot of these like super old plays are so fucking brutal Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I love it. Just like, we're going to have a weird thing about like apricots inducing labor. We're going to have a severed hand. She's going to be like, strangle me and tell my brothers, fuck you. Like, one of the brothers is going to be a wolf or think he's a wolf. Yeah. There we have it. So if anyone's interested in watching a play of the Duchess of Melfi, that's a, that was the synopsis. And I'm sorry I spoiled it for you. Everybody dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Indeed. So where did we last leave Lyra and Will? They'd had a little nap, hadn't mm-hmm. they? They'd decided what they were doing and they'd had a nap in the sandy, empty place, basically. Yeah. It's like there's not a lot going on there. It's peaceful. So Lyra wakes up before Will and she goes for a little wander with Pan who's very sleepy little sleepy Pan um, and there's a metaphor in the first paragraph that I really like so it says she had never known such silence not even in the snow blanketed ar- Arctic there was not a stir of wind and the sea was so still that not the tiniest ripple broke on the sand the world seemed suspended between breathing in and breathing out I think that's a very good metaphor yeah mm-hmm. I like that a lot what I noted from this is that Lyra notices Will's asleep. Yeah. His cloak's fallen off his shoulder and she tucks it around him and pretends that he has a demon and she's yeah. like carefully pretending to avoid touching his demon and imagines that it is a cat curled up just like he is. That is the cutest fucking shit. Yeah. I have ever read in my entire, le- entire life. Like, For sure. Yeah. And just a thing to pop a little pin in. Absolutely. We've not popped a pin for a while. We've we'll not got our pins pin. out in ages. Yeah. In fact, I don't think we've taken the pins out that we popped in. No. They become relevant. <laughs> Probably <ever>. not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, it's very cute. It's very cute. And then Pan talks, finally. We've not had fucking Pan talk in ages. Oh my God, for so long. I know. So they talk about how they want to get rid of Tally and Sally. Uh, I like the bit where Lyra's like, maybe we could capture them in a net. And Pan's like, we haven't got a net. <laughs> <laughs> She's like... A net or something. He's like, we haven't got a net or, or something. something. <laughs> the sassiest. <laughs> so sassy. <sighs> and then it's obviously dangerous to try and trick them because, like, look what happened to Mrs. Coulter. We get another description of Mrs. Coulter. Eyes rolling in pain, convulsions, and the ghastly drool of the golden monkey as the poison entered their bloodstream. Like, mm-hmm. so dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> they say that, like, oh, uh, they'd if they did that to us, then Will would have to give in and, like, give what? the spies won and Lyra says suppose they won't uh, suppose they thought he wouldn't though she said suppose they thought he was so cold hearted he just watches die <laughs> maybe better make him think that if we can okay sure sure sounds easy sounds simple enough let's just make Will pretend that he hates us <laughs> yeah yeah like they haven't just watched him fight yeah. <laughs> life and limb to get her out of a cave okay. very true so she asks the alethiometer like a bunch of questions and she's scared that the answers are coming, like the needles moving all over the place, so it's going too fast. And I just want to pop another pin in that as well, because I think we popped a pin in an alethiometer thing a couple the last time we were with Lyra. Um, and I'd just like to mm-hmm. pop a pin there too, actually. This is, I feel like, the most direct we've had the alethiometer mm-hmm. answer questions and the most like pushy I think yeah. I've ever heard, had it be. Um, I love that Lyra's reading the alethiometer again because we've mm-hmm. missed her for so long. So it's been a while since we've had a alethiometer yeah. uh, reading. Uh, she's asking, you know, how to how to shake the Galavespians off their tail. Yeah, and the alethiometer just says, "Do not try because your lives depend on them." Yeah, which is like, again, it's she was asking how, not should I. Yeah, and it, it didn't answer the question. It just told her, "Don't do that." Which is, the, I think that's one of the first times we've seen her do that. Yeah, for sure. And then she asks about how to get to the land of the dead. And it says, go down, follow the knife, go onwards, follow the knife, which I love. Mm-hmm. Follow the knife is a great, like, I don't know, it's a good little quote. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she says, is this the right thing to do? And it's just like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Very, very definitely. Again, the pushiest it's been. Mm-hmm. And like, in a way that I find a little bit like, do I trust the alethiometer? <laughs> I feel like I'm not trusting it because it's being too pushy. <laughs> It's one of those things, isn't it, where, what are we, like, nearly halfway, th- are we halfway through the book now? It's got to start, like, amping up in a way. Now we've got Lyra back. And to have the alethiometer be a bit pushier, it's like, ooh, what's going to happen? Something's going to yeah. happen. 38. And what are we on? 18. 18. So, yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. When Next chapter will be the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I can maths. <laughs> I mean, 
I can't. So Same. correct me. <laughs> Same. You should see me and Rachel trying to do basic maths. It's hilarious. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole podcast in itself. Uh, yes. Yes. It is. Uh, so she puts the lithiometer away, goes back to Will, who is still asleep, and, has, and Lyra has a little chat with Tally, who has no time for her bullshit absolutely not and i love the like line of questioning when it takes a classic lyra turn and she's like are you married (laughs) are you married to to sell it have you got any kids yeah it's literally i did um I was a girl guiding young leader briefly and I helped my mum out with brownies. And it's exactly the question that like 10 year olds would ask you. Be like, yeah. have you got a boyfriend? Yeah. Have you got a job? Do you wear makeup? <laughs> What's that? Have you got a phone? Have you got games on your phone? Can I play on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny though. I love it. It's like classic Lyra. Um, but I mean, Tally's not having any of it. Also, th- no, she he he is not married to that lady. They're just colleagues. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> also, like we then get to the point where it says that Sally like wakes up like really gracefully, and I'm like, how how? I don't think I've ever woken up gracefully in my entire life. A pile of sand, <laughs> right? It's just like when I wake up, it's like. Uh, like it's just me covered in drool and just like where the fuck am I I, I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. woken up like oh oh I'll sit up gracefully every night is straight hair girl problems every night I brush my hair and apply it to to, to sleep so that it doesn't get all tangled overnight mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like oh this is nice I just and every morning I wake up looking like a surprised owl <laughs> with just like the messy I just there's no such thing as having any kind of sleep and not waking up with like I just a bush on my head. Oh, I can't well, help it. Yeah. Same. No matter what. Same. Also, Rach is a chronic hairbrusher. She's always fucking brushing her hair. <laughs> I was about to say straight girl problems, but I meant to say straight hair girl problems. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, just, I'd give anything for a bit of volume in my hair. I don't have any, but what I do have is sleek, sleek hair if I brush it regularly. <laughs> so I will. <laughs> Forever brushing it. Oh, so... Sally wakes up gracefully, which is just not possible. Tally shuns all Lyra's questions. And then Lyra has like an interesting thought about how they drink water, which I thought was cute. Yeah, it makes me think of um, A Bug's Life. Yes. When yes, they yes, get the yes, little yes, spheres yeah. and they're like... Yeah. Great. Yeah. You all missed the mime that I did there for Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Cupping the little water droplet. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the Galavespians are like, they drink like dew, I suppose, right? And they're like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very bad. A drop life. at a time. Mm. But then, mm. does that mean that, like, does that mean the water itself just is thicker to them because they are smaller? So, is drinking water more like drinking a really thick smoothie? Oh, I don't know. Or like more like jelly, yeah. like really thin jelly that's not set yet. Ew. I know, I don't right? Know. I kind of don't like to think about it. Like, oh, is yeah. it syrupy? I don't know. Oh. Like consistency-wise. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I want to know. We will wakes up. And Lyra and Will want to go and talk privately and the spies make them leave the knife. Um, and Lyra tells Will all about the alethiometer. She calls the Lonestone resonator of speaking fiddle, which made me laugh. I appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they agree not to tell the spies where they're going. And then he then tells Lyra about breaking the knife because he'd never explained to her like how it happened and why it happened. And Will says what we said. Uh, if you notice when it's like if somebody tells you to think of a crocodile you think of a crocodile and that's exactly what we said we were like if somebody tells you not to think of your mum you're obviously going to think of your mum I think yeah I think last time we mentioned it I may have already said this but like, it's one of my favourite Terry Pratchett moments is when they're talking about that like if someone says don't think of a pink rhinoceros you automatically think of a pink rhinoceros and there's a character called Granny Weatherwax who's this like witch and an old lady and she's like yeah well I, I, I don't do it like it, it doesn't apply to me, not not whatsoever. I'm not thinking of a pink rhinoceros at all. And it turns out it's just because she doesn't know what a rhinoceros is, so she <laughs> well, can't fair. think of one. Well, fair <laughs> so enough. It's like, yeah, yeah, good. That works. She's the exception <laughs> to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> he says that. Um, so Lyra, this I found this quite interesting. Lyra says, "Oh well, you cut through to another world last night," and he was like, "Yeah, I think I did that. I was able to do that because I was tired." And it's interesting to me, like. I kind of agree with it. I think that like things that are like ingrained in you, you kind of, if you're in a state of feeling tired or exhausted, 
you're unable to overthink it. So you just do it because it's so within your being to be able to do it that it kind of stops you overthinking and you, and you just do it like on autopilot kind of. Like if it's muscle memory at that point and you're too tired, there's, there is no brain space to overthink it. Whereas like you kind of, yeah, otherwise you can overthink it and completely forget how everything works, which I do regularly. Oh, same. so they there's a lot of negotiating with the Galavespians this chapter. There's negotiating for them to go and have a private conversation. And then there's more negotiating when they get back because they've chosen to not tell the Galavespians where they're going and if they're going to follow, they're going to follow. But then when they get back, the Galavespians are like, no, you can't just not tell us where we're going. We need to make a deal here. So they make a deal that's basically Lyra confiscates Tally's mobile phone so he can't tell daddy on her. <laughs> She's like, if you want to send a text to my dad, yeah. you're going to have to run it through me first. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. What a power move, Lyra. Yeah. Um, so that's the agreement because like the main thing they don't want is Asriel coming after them and so that's what they do and they uh, Lyra confiscates the Lodestone Resonator and they tell them where they're going and Lyra explains that it is to go and find Roger to apologise which when she says every time she says it out loud I would be really annoyed if someone was like, we're going all this way, we're doing all this risky stuff, we're going to risk so many people's lives to yeah. just go and apologise to my friend because I feel bad that I got him in a bad situation and killed yeah. him. Like, I I made a note that was like, this like this thing that Lyra wants to do is so like innocent, so childlike in a sense of that like she's pushing them to do it, she's pushing them to do it. It seems very insignificant in the grand scheme of what's going on in the world for her to go and do that the fact that we know that they should do that because of the alethiometers told them that to to now obviously puts a little bit of weight behind it but it's i like the fact that every like adult that they speak to about this is like what the fuck why would you go and do that whereas they're still gonna do this thing anyway and i really that's one of the things that i like a lot about phil's writing is that it's kind of like never underestimate a child and like we've had this before haven't we like believe children like listen to them like and i love that vibe and that's it's very similar it's like why would you go and do this and it's like well why not yeah and also she's kind of had those feelings about so many things like everything she's wanted to do that feels like a small decision or a small reason has become part of a bigger picture so it's like she knew she had to go to rescue Roger from Bolvanger. Her aim was to just rescue Roger. She ends up freeing the entire station and like destroying the entire station. Like her aim is to, to like, just like retrieve the alethiometer and in the mm-hmm. process, like Will has Will finds and learns to use the subtle knife and all of this stuff. Like it yeah. it all just like everything she does that feels like a small decision is linked to like a much bigger picture. Yeah. And so it's what's this bigger picture gonna be? I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Tally and Sally are like, girl, what the fuck? Like, when you die, you die. I love that. <laughs> just like, bitch, we're atheists. <laughs> yeah. Just like, when you die, you're gone. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? She's like, well, I guess we'll find out. I'll take the resonator, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that speaking fiddle. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. So then they're getting ready to go and like, Will's going to cut a window Um, because they need to go and get food and stuff from somewhere because they're in a world where it's just like there's nothing there in terms of like food water etc there's an interesting bit here so will took the knife and a powerful temptation made him feel for the touch of his own world he had the credit card still he could buy familiar food he could even phone mrs cooper and ask for news of his mother the knife jarred with a sound like a nail being drawn along along rough stone and his heart nearly stopped if he broke the blade again it would be the end After a few minutes, he tried again. Instead of trying not to think of his mother, he said to himself, yes, I know she's there, but I'm just going to look away while I do this. And that's also interesting because I feel like people with anxiety might relate to that because that is kind of a coping mechanism for overthinking and intrusive thoughts and anxious thoughts is to be like, 
you know, I acknowledge that you're there, but I'm not going to give you the time of day right now because you are not helpful to me. And it's very similar to like what has been described that Will's doing here. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is literally the exact advice you gave me the other week when I was having a really overthinky afternoon and you were like, no, no, my therapist told me to think of it like leaves on a river. You acknowledge them, you look at them and you let them float on by. Like you don't yeah. don't pass the time with them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's very, very much that vibe. I, I, That is my note as well. I was just like, it's just like the anxiety advice Faye gave me the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's, it's, advice like that is, is always great. But, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's not always like a surefire way. But it's definitely a good way to think about it because, like, I think a lot of people can be like, you ignore it completely. It comes, it creeps in even more. Like you, tr- like we've said, you try actively not to think about it. You're obviously going to think about it if you acknowledge it that it's there and let it let it pass. Then it's not so. It's not not so bad. Yeah, I I tend to do well if I just look at other shinier things. <laughs> Fair. That is also another coping mechanism for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, he does it. They go into a world, mm-hmm. the grocery world of supermarket shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. not the grocery world. A world like Holland <laughs> or Denmark, which feels like the grocery world of supermarket shopping. I'm sad it wasn't yeah. Iceland, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Considering they need to do a food shop. Yeah. And it would all be frozen, fair. though, and they'd have to work out how to defrost it. It wouldn't go down well. True. How are they going to do that? How are they going to do that? So it sounds idyllic. There's like, they've found, they've like cut through into this world. It's a farmyard. It's like, oh, perfect. There'll be like food in storage, all this stuff. But there's something is not right about it. And there's a buzzing sound. It just kind of twigs you that something's going a bit wrong. And they go and look in the stables and there's four dead horses there and like millions of flies and that's what the weird buzzing sound is coming from the stables. And then they notice that there's a somebody's legs sticking out mm-hmm. near some raspberry canes and there's a, a dead man and then they carry on they, that doesn't put them off though they carry on having a little search and they yeah. um rob a dead man's house <laughs> yes yes they do um obviously when uh they find dead horses on the floor i obviously thought of dead horse by Haley williams also i just checked my phone Zach has messaged a slam dunk group saying Paramore have just announced a US tour and I feel like I have to look at this right now. Five minutes later. So we were talking about robbing a dead man's house. So they kind of acknowledge the dead body and um, move on because they have other stuff to do and they go in, they have a look. It sounds like a very cute little farmhouse vibe. They have like a little moment where Lyra's like, Will, is this is this the world mm-hmm. of the dead? Which feels like, again, it's like a very kid thing to be like, oh, we just found a bunch of dead stuff. Is this the world of the dead? And Will's like, no, yeah. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like it is. Also, it would be far too easy if the first place they cut through to yeah. is the world of the dead. However, yeah. it is the second. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. I did think that. I was like, oh, it's way too easy to be the first. But then it is like the second or like the second yeah. is like on the way to it at least i was like oh this, this was easy i thought it was going to be like a right fucking track i do have a bit of a theory about that though because like mm-hmm. i feel like probably because so much death has just happened nearby to where they found and yeah. somebody has literally died nearby and there are ghosts in the vicinity i wonder if the veil is thinner and like mm-hmm. it's easier to access that world because yeah. they have just witness death or because they have just been in the vicinity of it so like if they were somewhere where like nobody had ever died which is probably no place as ever (laughs) yeah it might be harder to find than being somewhere that is already Mm. yeah that's a good theory yeah that's a good theory yeah they find a bunch of food they raid the house and then they hear someone coming it's soldiers or that seems like the vibe and there's a village burning beyond the fields so this is where will is like okay right we're in a hurry we need to cut through and just get out of here yeah and that's why it feels like there's something special about where they are right now and how it's the first place um because at once he was aware of a new sensation the blade seemed to be sliding along a very smooth surface like a mirror and then it sank through slowly until he was able to cut but it was resistant like heavy cloth and when he made an opening he blinked with surprise and an alarm because the world he was opening into was the same in every detail as the one they were already standing in Mm. but they don't have time to think about it they just go through and they have to push through and it's like pushing through jelly or like pushing through treacle which i love Mm -hmm. like the description of the dragonfly's wings like fold like kind of folding behind it because they're like they're so lightweight like tally and sally can't get through it without will and lyra's help because they're just too light (laughs) 
Too small. Too small. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there they are. And there is a ghost. Somebody in the kitchen. There's somebody in the kitchen. And it's the dead man they just found. Yeah. And he looks rough as fuck. Bless him. He looks rough as fuck. But also, immediately, mm. it's like he knows. He looks like horrified. Probably because he just died. Because he was just murdered. But he's very on it. Because like, immediately, he's like, I'm dead. I'm lying out there dead. I know I am. You're not dead. What's happening? God help me. They cut yeah. my throat. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Just like, I, I feel for him. He's very confused. I do like that. Um, I love Lyra's affinity to be a very pleasant. Again, like, I feel like emotional intelligence is maybe coming into this a little bit as she's like, you know, learning more. But to be like, oh, hi, like, sorry we're in your house like i'm lyra this is will like this is what we're doing sorry and like she's very attentive towards him whereas like will doesn't say a word to him really yeah yeah she is very she's a very polite guest under all circumstances she's yeah as we know she's got the gift of the gab but yeah the dragonflies are not having a good time in this world at all they are freaked out and will like tries to touch the guy and his hand goes through him so like we know that he's a ghost a ghost and then the man says i'm going to hell and lyra's like we'll go together will we <laughs> what i love is he's like i'm dead i'm dead and i'm going to hell and lyra says hush hush we'll go together actually sh- 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 shut the fuck up pop a quick shush on that actually because <laughs> what i've got going on is more important <laughs> just so shut up i mean you literally just died and you're scared about shh no 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 we find out his name his name is dirk jansen or dirk jansen mm-hmm. maybe because mm-hmm. we have been told it's a holland-esque place yeah. scandinavian yeah. vibes very much from mm-hmm. mr dirk jansen um and he is like i can't stay here this is this is not the farm I knew. It's wrong, and I have to go. And he just starts. He kind of starts walking. He's like he doesn't he doesn't know where he's going, but he starts walking. And I kind of like that that he's just like pulled away from where he wants yeah. to be. It's like it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's mine anymore. Yeah. Um, and Sal Macchia notices that there's people um, further down the road from the village mm-hmm. that are also seem to be walking because probably the village that was on fire. Yeah. And yeah. they decide they're going to follow the ghosts. They're going to join the mm-hmm. little ghost parade. Yeah. 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 Dirk is like walking along like he's smashed. And all the other people are, like, seem to be like walking in like a bit of a, a daze. And then he sees them and like runs towards them. There's a little thing about ghosts here where Will says, Do you think there are demons in this world? And Lyra's like, Can't tell. If you saw one of them in your world, would you know he was a ghost? And then Will just talks about this like poor man. <laughs> It was probably just a, a an innocent man. Just an innocent know? man. <laughs> just an innocent man, like going about his life outside a shop. And Will's like, oh, maybe he is a ghost. Maybe yeah. he is a ghost. It's kind of, it feels like, again, something Phil's tried to do with like his commentaries on, for example, like the parallel between Will's mum and the spectres when, Will tra- when Phil tries to pull on like that mental health string. And I feel like he is trying to maybe do that with like mental health and homelessness here. And yeah. saying, there was a man I used to see in my town he used to walk about outside the shops holding the same old plastic bag and he never spoke to anyone or went inside and no one ever looked at him. I used to pretend he was a ghost. They look a little bit like him. Maybe what my world's full of ghosts and I never knew. Yeah. And like it is it feels kind of like a little social commentary moment in terms of like mm-hmm. there's people that exist that nobody pays attention to or ever looks at and like Yeah probably feels a lot like being a ghost if you are that person that's being yeah. ignored by the world so very true yeah very true lyra's just like i don't think my world's full of ghosts and you're like okay yeah classic lyra <laughs> classic lyra i mean she she believed in ghosts when she got haunted by those scholars after switching their skull coins around oh yeah true so yeah they're just like oh well this must be the world of the dead but then it starts to like fade starts to fade away it's like someone's desaturating the photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like the people that are walking towards wherever they're walking, like start to notice it. The only people, the only the alive people that have color, so like Lyra, Will, the spies, they're still they still have full color. Just like an emo photo you would edit when you were like sixteen, and you'd be like, I'll make everything black and white except for my hair because my hair is a cool color. Hell yeah, I should still do that. <laughs> you should still do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so the ghosts are scared of them. They say at Will asks, where are you going? And there's like an older man among them that seems to be the guide, the leader. And he says, we're going where all the others go, he said. Seems as if I know, but I can't remember learning it. Seems as if it's along the road. We'll know it when we get there. Mm-hmm. Do we think it's because he's old, so he's closer to death? <laughs> or he was Maybe. old, so he was closer, like logically? Yeah, Maybe. Know. Or just because he was like, I'm old, so I'm in charge. <laughs> and then I feel sorry for this mum and this kid. Because like this kid is like, what the fuck is going on, mum? And the mum's like, I think we're dead. And, we're gonna... and then the kid's like, where are we going? And she's like, well, we're going to see your granddad. And it's really sad. And then obviously the kid's crying because it's dead. And then people are looking at it and they're pissed off. Yeah. And like, as if they're, like, they're blaming the mum. I'm like, I get it. Kids kids crying is annoying, but it's never the parent. Like, it's very rarely the parent's fault that a kid is crying. I always get annoyed at that. Like, when people get mad at people's kids for crying. I get it's annoying, but it's not the parent's fault most of the time. No. Like, even when you're dead, you can't escape a crying child. But also, even when you're dead, you can't escape being judged for your parenting skills. What the fuck? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So Tally goes to see what's ahead. And the people, they, they kind of have a conversation around, they think that the reason why the town is fading is because the people are forgetting it. And they're like unhappy there and they're scared of it because it is just where they, because Lyra's like, oh, but I would, I would like to, you know, stay in the place where I knew. And Will's like, well, they just died there. Mm, I wonder if that's how you become a ghost ghost, like yeah. as we know them. Like, I wonder if you don't have bad memories pushing you away or if you don't, have that feeling of that that urge to walk onwards mm-hmm. i wonder if that's how you become like a ghost that haunts people's houses and shit yeah maybe maybe uh lady selmachia thinks that they're being pulled not not being pushed away from the place they don't want to be but being pulled towards something else and that it's some yeah. kind of instinct and some kind of thing that's drawing them down the road and mm-hmm. they do start to see the ghosts kind of move more purposefully and they kind of like join the little little trudging party going down this road yeah. as, the, as the world becomes more and more featureless and the only bright things are Lyra and the dragonflies and the old man says you boy, you girl, you ain't dead, you ain't ghosts what are you coming along here for? <laughs> Lyra immediately lies although yeah. kind of does and kind of doesn't yeah, yeah, because I suppose they did go, go through that by accident. Yeah. They didn't mean to go there. They were just trying to get away from their soldiers in the other world. So again, telling the, a lie by telling the truth. Also, fuck this guy. Oh, fuck him so much. Fuck this guy. <laughs> oh, My honestly. quote is, this old guy's a self-righteous dick. <laughs> yeah. So Will says, how will you know when you've got to the place where you've got to go? And the man says, I expect we'll be told, said the ghost confidently. They'll separate out the sinners and the righteous, I dare say. It's no good praying now. It's too late for that now. You should have done that when you're alive. No use now. How many times does he want to say the word now for a fucking star? Mm-hmm. And two, all right, all right, mate. Who do you think you are? Yeah, it was quite clear which group he expected to be in and quite clear too that he thought it wouldn't be a big one. The other ghosts heard him uneasily, but he was all the guidance they had, so they followed him without arguing. Like, fuck you, buddy. You could be reassuring this group of uncertain people and you're like, I'm going to go to heaven and you're all fucked. (laughs) Like, absolutely (sighs) not. What? I mean, you're all in the same fucking boat here, mate. Like, chill also again a good way of phil just bringing in that like and here's how systematic and organized religion has fucked over this group of people yeah and why this old man's an asshole (laughs) we learn that there's a town ahead a different town um and the ghosts are like all in a trance like walking towards it and they're kind of like how are we going to help them or obviously that's how what lyra says because that's classic lyra but they like have no idea and this town just sounds vile, basically. Yeah, yeah. So Tally, Tally flew ahead and came back and was like, there's this whole, I think he refers to it as like, um, like it looks like a refugee camp, but it's obviously mm-hmm. been there for centuries or more, which is yeah. really interesting. And there's a lake, uh, there is a, there's a sea or a lake beyond it, but it's covered in mist and you can hear the cries mm-hmm. of birds and there are hundreds of people arriving every minute from every direction people just like the ghosts so it's like Mm -hmm. i guess we'll find out what this town is it's just a really interesting description to immediately be like yeah i recognize this and it looks like a refugee town it looks like a temporary camp that has 
then lasted forever it looks like the thing that that kind of throws up in my mind is that that is not the final destination for these people you know so like a refugee camp like you said supposed to be a temporary relief for people i mean this might not be a temporary relief but it it makes it sound like it's going to be temporary at least so it makes me think that this is not the end of their journey yeah but also unfortunately for me the implication as well is it's a system, it's an imperfect system. Yeah. The, the camp wouldn't exist yeah. if the system wasn't massively flawed because people shouldn't mm-hmm. be having to like build an entire town out of tents or whatever to get to the destination yeah. they're supposed to be going to. So it's like a really great, just by using those words, we know what that means is that like a refugee camp is a sign that there's people trying to get away from things and to places of safety and the places are not set up appropriately to receive them and the system is flawed and cannot help people how it's yeah. supposed to and that's exactly what this seems to be as well and like yeah it just it just makes me really like oh no <laughs> yeah absolutely it doesn't fill us with um positivity for the land uh, the world of the dead does no. it? like this is not it doesn't seem like a nice place or a nice journey to be going on mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's the end of the of the chapter interesting chapter i thought mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's exactly why it's called the suburbs of the dead, because we've not quite reached the town of the dead. We're just on the outskirts. Yeah. I was hoping for more spooky bitch vibes. I mean, we did meet quite a lot of ghosts. Yeah, true. I feel like the next chapter, which is called Lyra and Her Death, Death with a capital D. That's a badass chapter name. It's a badass chapter name. Yeah, it definitely uh, feels a lot more like shit's going to actually, maybe happen next chapter i feel like it might get spookier next chapter i want it to yeah yeah same same um, also nice to be with lyra and will for two chapters consistently (laughs) yeah definitely definitely do you uh have an award to give out i think this week my award it's going to be for Lyra, purely for the moment when she was tucking Will in and pretending that he had a little demon oh. and like tucking around him, specifically for the Lyra that tucks around the cat that doesn't exist. Cute, yeah. cute, cute, cute. Uh, mine is for the woman who had the crying child, because I just feel like that was just rude, rude of the people that were annoyed with her. Fair. Yeah, very yeah. rude. If I could give an honorary award, it would be for the Duchess from the play that isn't in the book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Can I just? Yeah, for sure. I'll give an give an award to the Duchess who's saying the line that's quoted at the beginning of the chapter. So she's an honorary character. <laughs> yeah, an honorary that's fair. Award, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Let's give her an honorary award. Hey, folks. We are quickly approaching approaching our mark for the amount of reviews we're looking for for our review prize draw situation it's still running get your reviews in while it is the deal is if you leave us a review preferably a very good one thank you very much and send a screenshot of that review to our email her.materialspod at gmail.com that email counts as your entry into a prize draw when we hit 50 entries we'll pull 10 names out of a hat one person will get a full sticker merch pack with all of the like season artwork stickers and nine people will get some super cool hdm pod bookmarks leave us a review and we'll give you rewards yeah give us five stars say nice things if you can't review us or don't want to you can tell a friend about us or like email us or shout us out on social media it all helps and uh, we just yeah want to grow this community because it's so nice the other way that you can support us is to buy some merch this is your reminder we have rad t-shirts i am wearing one right now it is very cool it is very comfy you should buy one yep and another way is to join our patreon which is patreon.com forward slash hdmpod and the shop is hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop lots of forward slashing going on (laughs) Yes, there is, there is, there is. Just like in that play. <laughs> Good one, love uh, it. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod, and you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. Thank you.
If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and ghosts, I'm making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. Oh, cool. Sam. Oh, my God, Sam. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.